It's great to be here. It's been a great week. Learned lots. I'm beginning to understand the history of this great church. And uh, just I'm very grateful for the opportunity to come beside you. Uh, this morning, I want to talk about surviving, or suffering, pardon me, surviving versus thriving. I told you a little bit about my story. I'll tell you a little bit more today about it. And it was 12 years ago last month that I limped onto a plane bound for Fort Lauderdale, Florida to attend the very first John Maxwell team conference and I had no idea what I would experience. All I knew was that I was struggling just to survive each day. Through the kindness of God, I met a pastor online in a church near the training. In fact, I started listening to this church online because I knew I'd heard on Facebook that John Maxwell was preaching for Mother's Day, and, and so I just started watching it, and then it began, became, began to become my tradition that I would get up at 8 o'clock in the morning, grab my coffee on Sundays, and watch the church online, and then go and get ready and go to my own church. And I always saw that there was a chat box that you could say hello because I could see the chat box. People were saying good morning and they were dialoguing with the online pastor and so on and I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be anonymous. And maybe you're watching and you feel the same way. But there was one morning in June that I felt just the sense that I should just say hello. And so I went into the chat room and I said good morning and immediately the online pastor, his name was Dave, chatted back with me and he said, good morning, where are you from? And I went, this guy's in Florida, he doesn't have a clue. I said, uh, I'm from Western Canada. And then he private messaged me, he said, what part of Western Canada? And I'm thinking, I've got this guy, right? He doesn't have a clue. And I said, do you know anything about hockey? Do you know who the great one is? I'm thinking if he doesn't know that, he doesn't know anything, right? <laughs> Immediately he texted me back and he said, yeah, I know who that is. I was a pastor in Edmonton for 10 years. <laughs> and we became great friends. And, and during that one session, he said to me, you're part of the John Maxwell team, right? I said, yes, you're supposed to be in Fort Lauderdale in August. And I said, really? Like, I missed that one. And he said, yes, you need to be here. And I said, well, I, I can't afford to come. I mean, it's, it's Florida. And he said, um, you buy the ticket and I'll find the place for you to stay. And I'm thinking, this is the guy, I've never met him. This is the first time I've ever met him. We've got a little bit of a connection because of Edmonton. Should I trust him? Should I not trust him? And so I'm having this dialogue in my head. And, and he said, no, seriously, you order your plane ticket. When we're done, you go and order your plane ticket. But he said, don't go to Fort Lauderdale. Don't go to uh, West Palm Beach. That's very expensive. Go to, go to Fort Lauderdale, rent a car, and then come. And literally, I'm playing back and forth with him, like, are you sure? Like, are you stiffing me? Like, I, 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 don't, I don't have the money to spend on an air. He said, just trust me. I said, okay. He said, give me 24 hours, and I'll find you a free condo to stay. That was the longest 24 hours of my life. But here's what happened. As soon as I put down, I turned off the, the service, I went over to Air Canada and I punched in Edmonton, Fort Lauderdale, and I put the date in, and it was 399 return. Now, wouldn't we love that again? 
So I met Dave online, and then when he knew I was coming, he said, okay, here's what you need to do. We need to, we, we need to meet at a Starbucks. When you get into town, I'll give you the keys, and I'll take you to the place, and you'll be able to enjoy it. He said, but you need to be here. And so I got to Starbucks that day, and I met with him, and I had lost 30 pounds since December, and my heart was broken, my mind was in turmoil. And to make matters worse, I was flying on my birthday. And I asked David if he had any dinner plans, and he, when he arrived to Starbucks, and he said no, and I, I kindly asked, no, I didn't kindly ask, I begged him if he would go to have dinner with me. I said, this is my birthday, I don't wanna be alone, so take me to the best seafood place around here and dinner is on me. And he gladly agreed and we went to the restaurant that would become one of my favorite all-time restaurants when I'm in the West Palm Beach area. And while we were having dinner, he asked me how I was doing and he list, listened intently to the suffering that I was stuck in the middle of. And as we talked, he asked me what my plan was for the next few weeks and months. And I said, right now I'm just barely surviving, I, but soon I will thrive again. I knew that was gonna happen. And he put my, his hand on my shoulder and we were in the middle of this great big restaurant. And he asked me a question, he said, can I pray for you? Now let me ask you a question this morning. What would you say when you're in a bad place and someone offers to pray for you? When you're suffering, you wanna take and get all the help you can get, right? Amen? All right. I can't remember the content of his prayer, but what I do remember is how I felt and that I had verbalized my vision for the future. You see, when you are suffering, you never think that life can get better. But I'm here to give you hope again. Life will be better. However, there are some things that we need to do, and I'll get to that in a moment, but I, I wanna invite you to look at the passage for us this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter one. In your notes, it's on the screen. Here's where we're gonna pick it up. When we suffer for Jesus, it works out for our healing and salvation. If we are treated well, given a helping hand and encouraging word, that also works to our benefit, spurring you on face forward, unflinching. Your hard times are also our hard times. When you see that you're just as willing to endure the hard times as to enjoy the good times, we know you're going to make it. There's no doubt about it. Remember that we discovered last week when we started studying 2 Corinthians chapter 1 of how to have a difficult, how to walk a difficult path, that there were four things that we talked about that we needed to partner with someone who knows your experience. We need a hand. We acknowledge that we're in new territory and we ex ex understand that that's hard. And we trust God to give you help and we need to come along outside people and help them find hope. But today I want to discuss trials. Suffering, surviving versus thriving. Now turn to your neighbor and say this, this is gonna give you hope. Will you turn to your neighbor and do that, please? Say, this is gonna give you hope. Now turn back to them and say, and you need a lot of it. How many here this morning 
have had the experience of suffering or injustices? Put up your hand. You just, you just had that experience. Something, didn't see that coming. We all have, haven't we? <laughs> but you know what? This is not in your outline, but I've got a sentence that I, w- that, I would help with, that I think will help you anchor during the most challenging times in your life. Would you like to know it? Okay, let me give you this to you, and then I'll explain to you why it's so vital for your life and my life during trials and suffering. Here's the line. Throw it on your notes. It's not what happens to you, but in you that counts. Let me say it again. It's not what happens to you, but in you that counts. How many of you, like me, like to have everything under control? I know I do. Friends, there's very little that we have control over. And and what happens to you in many times when we're in suffering and we're going through trials is that we don't have any control. Things are out of control. What someone says about you, you have no control over. How the economy is going, you have no control over. Who your parents are, you don't have any control over that. How many control the weather? No, we don't have that. In fact, you can't even control whether or not the riders win or not. You found that out on Friday, didn't you? But this is what I know for sure. And if you're trying to find a way out of pain or trials, know this. We have no control what happens to us. None. But we always have control over how we respond to those circumstances. I have learned that how we respond to a problem is sometimes the biggest mistake that I make. So this morning, I'm going to give you four things that you can do to help yourself get through a difficult time or experience. Now, if you're here this morning and you're not in the midst of a problem, this message is for you too. Just take the notes because you'll have a leg up on us because most of us are in the middle of one. All right, ready to go? Number one, healing is a choice you make. When bad things happen to people, there are basically two reactions. To act like a victim or to act like a victor. When working with businesses, I teach a lesson called the thin line separating success and failure. This powerful lesson usually liberates people from playing the victim card all the time. In fact, I'm reading a book right now called Addicted to Drama. Oh, it's insightful. There's lots of us that are addicted to drama. Now, there's a story in the Gospels of of John, of a man who's 38 years old. For 38 years, he got up every morning, and someone took him to the pool of Bethesda. Now, when I was in Israel, I had a chance to go near that area. It's, It's a very cool area to see just where that pool would have been. And waiting for the pool waters to swirl, like there was a superstition that if the waters started to swirl... If anybody got into those waters who was, who was needing healing, that they would get healed. Now, day after day, this man would go in hoping that he would find healing. And every day he sat by the water in this hope. His healing, every time the water stirred, someone would beat him to it. And I imagine his expectations began to wane 
just maybe even like yours do now and then here this morning. Each Sunday you come to church knowing that you're going to hear the good news and you understand that God can heal and change your life. And there is a little hope. But the waters have stirred and it seems like God has passed you by. Has coming to worship become just a weekly event where you're physically present? But your spiritual well is as parched and dried up like a dried up wet, uh, riverbed? Think of this. For 13,870 days, he came hoping for a chance to get a dip into the pool. But he never got a chance until Jesus came along. Now, he did play the victim card at the beginning, and, and I have yet to find someone, as he said, to find someone around to help me get in. No one takes the time to consider my needs, he says. Many people use this victim card as... It's no use. I'm doomed to be an invalid. He didn't choose to be crippled. But he got up every morning making his way to the pool. And maybe, just maybe, today would be his day. But I think he may have been just like us. And when God doesn't answer our prayers for healing after a while, we just quit. Until Jesus comes along. Perhaps this morning you've come to church feeling like this man in the story. You, you kind of come to the pool, the church, and it seems like someone else gets into the water before you. And you leave disappointed or discouraged and deduct that there's a lot in your life and there's nothing that you can do about it until Jesus comes along. And on this day, Jesus came along, and John records in chapter 5, that when Jesus saw him, he said to the invalid, do you want to be healed? Now, one of the things you have to understand about me, when I read scripture, I, I put myself reading that situation. I'm looking at a guy who needs healing, and Jesus asks him if he needs healing. Duh. And then he says, sir, when the water is stirred, I don't have anybody to put me in the pool. By the time I get there, somebody else is already in. So what does Jesus do? He speaks, and he says, get up, take your bedroll, start walking. And the man was healed on the spot. He picks up his bedroll, and he walks off. Did you see it? People have told you that if you want to be healed, go to church, lay by the pool, hoping it's your time. The healing is not necessarily just in the, the, the routine of coming to church. God is here, and he will meet us here. The healing is coming to Jesus. And confessing that you are choosing to participate in the healing. It's, you know what's interesting about this? This invalid's feet never got wet. Some of you will get that later. Jesus will come to us unexpectedly to accomplish his healing work in our life. He was looking for a lift into the water. And the living water was right in front of him. Trust him to help you. But you also have to decide to take responsibility for your life and make the right choices. Legendary UCLA coach John Wooden said this, there is a choice that you make in everything you do, so keep in mind that in the end, the choice you make makes you. 
in your notes. I don't have it on the screen. Look at, look at the things that are our choice. Habits are a choice. Giving is a choice. Reactions are our choice. Ideas are a choice. Connections are a choice. Words are a choice. Leading is a choice. Obedience is a choice. Love is a choice. Bitterness is a choice. Resentment is a choice. Hatred is a choice. Mark Hack said these things, you have three choices in life. You get to give up, give in, or give it all you've got. Search the scriptures with me, my friend, and see how many people were faced with a choice. Let's think, let's think for a moment this morning about Adam and Eve. What was their choice? To sin. What about Noah? What was his choice? To build a boat. Lot's wife made a choice, and she became a salt lick. Peter made a choice when he decided to jump out of the water, and he walked on water. Zacchaeus made a choice to go up the tree to see Jesus. And Joshua made a choice. Look, read, read with me in your notes this morning from Joshua 24. If you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will you be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. When facing or experiencing trials or suffering, make the right choice. Lean into the Father's hand. Don't ask him to necessarily change your circumstances, but ask him to change you in the midst of those circumstances. Young people today, may you learn early in life that the choices that you make have consequences. Choose wisely, whether you're young or whether you're old or mature. In your notes, you can make a choice to grow and learn. This leads me to the second point of today's message, that you need to acquaint yourself with the purpose of pain. Not like the man who told the doctor that he had pain. The doctor asked, you know, when do you get this pain? And the man replied, when I put my arm over my shoulder, doc, that's when I get pain. And the doctor just said, well, then don't do it. Well, that could have been more helpful. I've learned that every one of us has pain. We talked about that last week. We need to discover the cause of our pain. Every one of us has experienced pain. Remember, I said this is the common thread that every one of us has. And we all have bad experiences, right? How many of you had a bad experience? Put up your hand. How many are sitting next to that bad experience? Never mind. Here's what I know about bad experiences. I'd like to have fun, just in case you didn't know. Everyone has them. Nobody likes them. And few people make bad experiences positive experiences. Warren Lester said this, success in life comes not from holding a good hand, but in playing a poor hand well. Just as physical pain in your body is telling you something, pain in your life is always saying something is wrong. I firmly believe that everything I have in my life is the result of the choices and the decisions that I've made up until this point. And the same is true for you. If you and I are going to be able to move from surviving to thriving, then we need to start to focus on discovering the 
purpose of pain in our lives. And in my first message, I, I explained that when we're faced with pain, we automatically ask the question, why? How many of you, when faced with pain, have asked why? I know you have. It's our natural reaction. How many of you have heard an answer when you've asked why? I haven't. Healing will start to come when we ask a different question. You have to move from why to what. What am I supposed to learn from this experience? And go one step deeper and ask, what am I to become as a result of this experience? We have to ask those questions. Because that's what I have control over. What I do, what I become, the choices that I get to make. Could it be that there are blessings in a painful season of our lives? C.S. Lewis writes, pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I don't know about you, but knowing the big picture why behind an action helps me to surrender just a little bit easier doesn't mean that I fully understand it. I just need to know what I'm, what, that I'm doing the right thing, even though I may not even know everything. Trusting God in the is the right thing to do in the midst of trials. Trusting God is the right thing to do in the midst of this transition as we start. Don't trust your feelings. In some respects, don't even trust what other people say. Trust God. God, where are you in this? Understanding that there is a purpose in our trials is helpful to enable us to carry on when the pain is still sharp. Look at what the writer of James says. In James chapter 1, in your notes, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, <laughs> underline this next part, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Yeah, right. For you know that when your faith is tested, your, endur your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow, and when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. When troubles come. We live in a world where troubles raise up their ugly head. James doesn't say if troubles comes. You get that, right? It's when trouble comes. But Bob, I, I'm trouble free right now, so I'm good. For now. But life happens. Look at your neighbor and say, trouble is coming. And, and turn back and say, that's my gift to you. Listen to the next sentence. It's a powerful one. Trouble comes to introduce you and me to the choice of joy. One translation says, consider it pure joy. Did you hear that? Did you hear that it's a choice to choose joy? That's one way we say as believers that separates those in the world from us when we go through trials and problems. When, when people know that you're a follower of Jesus at work or at school or in the club or at the golf course or wherever you are and people know you and that they watch you go through trials and they watch how you respond. Many times that is a greater testimony than anything that you have said. If you're going through it 
with joy. You see, everyone in the city of Saskatoon is facing difficulties. Everyone watching online is facing difficulties. The issue is not your problem. The issue is how you choose to live as you go through your problem. Someone said the greatest mistake we humans make in our relationships is we listen half, we understand a quarter, we think zero, and we react double. Isn't that true? I don't know about you, but I think that's true. It's our reaction that gets us in trouble. Unbelievers do not have the hope that we have, but they're fearful. And we ought to be fearless knowing that our trials have a purpose. Go back to the verse for a moment. For we know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. For your endurance muscle to grow, your faith must be worked, challenged, stretched, and used. Stop praying for God to, to stop sending you difficulties. He already knows your limits. Start praying for wisdom to learn what you need to learn about trusting and surrendering to his gentle work in your becoming. I love this Jewish proverb. That's why it's in your notes. I ask not for a lighter burden, but for broader shoulders. Understand that there's a plan that God is orchestrating. Let's review. Healing is a choice you make. Acquaint yourself with the purpose of pain. And thirdly, navigate through the process of pain. When I was going through the dredges of pain, I would lean into God's word to find help and hope and any promise to hold on to. One day when I was sitting in my thinking praying chair, it just came to me. That I wrote down the word hope. And it's almost like God spoke to me and said, remember, hold on, pain ends. But I remember screaming out to God when I got that. I, I want it to stop now. One summer evening, during a violent thunderstorm, a mother was tucking her small boy into bed. And she was about to turn off the light when he asked with a tremble in his voice, Mommy, will you sleep with me tonight? The mother smiled and gave him a reassuring hug. I can't, dear, she said. I have to sleep in Daddy's room. A long silence was broken at last by a little shaky voice that said, The big sissy. <laughs> you see, your perspective on life and your situation is what's most important. Will you consider with me the next passage in your notes from the book of James? God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. In August of 2016, I was back in Orlando attending another conference. And I was part of the very first group in 2011. And I learned so much and I met so many incredible people that were committed to changing the world. But this August when I was there, within the first two days of me being at the conference, people's, three people who were with me in 2010 came up to me and all separately said the, virtually the very same thing. Bob, I'm so excited to see you so alive and happy. I remember how broken you were when I first met you. By the third time, I was a little perplexed. I stopped and asked a dear friend, what did you mean by this? And here's what she said. She said, the first training you stood before me so busted and broken 
You had tears flowing down your cheeks as you told me your story. Today, four years later, I can hardly recognize you. Hear this, she said. I'm proud of you for doing all the hard work. I give God the glory. To navigate the process of pain, you have to be patient. You have to be persistent. And I have said it to several people walking on a similar road. At the beginning, my prayer was, God, just get me through the next three hours. In October, I'll explain a little bit more about that as we get a little further down in 2 Corinthians. When you're in the midst of a battle, start with small steps in trusting God. Start with God, just get me through the next three hours. Then when he does that, he then say, God, get me through this morning. God, just get me through this afternoon. Just get me through today. Just get me through this week, this weekend. Just get me through this month. Heed the words of the great leader of Sir Winston Churchill when he said, in a dark valley, never, never, never give up. Sadly, one of the traits of the church today is that people give up way too easily. Rather than hang in there and be patient and tarry on and trust the Lord, We bail. And what disturbs me greatly is when we know we have an infinite, all-powerful Father with an infinite, all-powerful Holy Spirit residing within our hearts and seeking to empower us to grow and to stretch and to learn and to become more like Christ. And then we don't trust God to be God and have the fortitude to hang in there long enough to see God turn our mourning into dancing. You're going to learn I tell the truth. Why do we bail out when we have all the resources to buckle up and partner with God to accomplish his will in and through us? You see, in your notes, we need persistent fortitude. Fortitude. Persistence is a lost discipline in today's world. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, what lies behind you and what lies in front of you pales in comparison to what lies inside of you. It's not about simply being self-sufficient. It's about understanding that you have access to the creator. The one who made you fearfully and wonderfully. God did not design you to be a victim. God designed you. Your DNA is to set you to be a victorious follower of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. What Emerson is saying is that when you and I realize the power of the choices that we get to make today, there's no limit to the potential of our lives when we tap into the power that's available to us. And yet there are people that walk among us that don't have a clue how to live life. Now let me tell you a couple of stories about some people that I've read about. Here's what they say. While looking at a house, my brother asked the real estate agent which direction was north because he explained he didn't, wanna, he didn't want the sun to wake him up in the morning. And she said, well, the sun doesn't rise in the north. When my brother ex explained that the sun rises in the east and has for some time, she shook her head and said, oh, I don't keep up with that stuff. They walk among us. 
My colleague and I were eating lunch in our cafeteria when we overheard one of the administrative assistants talking about the sunburn that she got on her weekend drive to the beach. She drove down in a convertible but didn't think she'd get sunburned because the car was moving. They walk among us. My sister has a life-saving tool in her car. It's designed to cut through a seatbelt if she gets trapped. Trapped. She keeps it in her trunk. They walk among us. I couldn't find my luggage at the airport baggage area, so I went to the lost luggage office and told the woman that, that my bags had, were yet, had not yet arrived. She smiled and told me not to worry because she was a trained professional and I was in good hands. Now, she asked me, has your plane arrived yet? <laughs> they walk among us. I have a hunch that these people aren't thrivers, by the way. They're not even surviving. Hardship in our lives produces an awareness that if God is on our side, if God is on your side, you have a majority. God doesn't have to wait for someone to put you into the pool. You can choose to trust Jesus for your family, for your life, for your future, for this church. Number four got to wrap this up. Declare victory for today as well as tomorrow. Start today walking in the victory that is yours and that is to come. Don't walk around melancholy. Walk around aware of a melody. If God is for me, who can be against me? See, I read the back of the book and we win. You know the story. As Christ followers, we need to be positive and grateful and full of anticipation that one day pain will end. But Bob, how do I get through today? Well, during the history of Israel, they were led by one of the most outstanding leaders that I've ever studied. His name was Moses. And 40 years prior, he had chosen to lead the people, pardon me, around the desert. God had promised Moses that the people would inherit the land full of milk and honey 12 months. 12 men had gone out before him, but only two of them said that we could trust God and get it. And you know who it was? It was Caleb and Joshua. Then Moses dies. The leader was gone. Now what were the people to do? This was probably about 8 million people. Well, they continued to trust God. He elevated one of the two to be the next leader, Joshua. And then God said to him, look, it's in your notes, for This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Church, hear these words this morning. Be strong and courageous. Don't be fearful or discouraged. Why be strong? Why be courageous? Why not be afraid? Why not be discouraged? Listen to the words that God spoke to Joshua before millions of people who were looking for leadership, hope, stability, comfort, courage, and strength. For the Lord, your God, is with you. Wherever you go. And just as God was with Joshua, he was, he's with you and me today. Just as God was with everyone who claimed to be his child, he is with you today. The choice is yours. The choice is mine. Now close your notes and look at me as I close this morning. You may be thinking here this morning, well, that's all good, Bob, but you don't know my story. And you're right, I don't. 
But Bob, if you knew my story, you wouldn't expect God to help me thrive. Can I take a couple more minutes to answer what the Bible says? How many of you know the story of Adam and Eve? This past week, I was revisiting this story and saw something insightful that I, I wanted to speak to you today. Remember that the young pair made a choice to eat the fruit of the tree and remember that their eyes were open and they knew that they had disobeyed and remember what they did? They hid. And later we read that God came back into the garden to be with them. They were hiding for him due to sin, which by the way, sin makes you hide from God. But God came looking for them. Did you catch that? God is here this morning, not to blow up at you, but to welcome you into his arms. You don't have to survive as if God is absent in your world. You and I can choose to thrive because God is here and he's with you. God is with you. And God has stretched his hand out towards you and is simply saying, I'm looking for you. I love you, my child. Trust me with your life. Will you pray with me? Worship team, won't you come? Father, thank you for teaching us that healing is a choice that we get to make. Help us to lean into you to begin our healing. And Father, in the midst of our pain, help us to find the purpose while in the trials. Grant us joy, because we get to choose it. And Holy Spirit, help us to have persistence during the times when we don't sense your presence. And Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us victory through your death and resurrection. May we not be afraid or discouraged. For we know you are with us. Oh, precious Trinity, will you continue to lead us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.